0: and welcome to another episode of the boys in red and white podcast my name is tom dow and i'm joined as always by my best friend andre grayson
1: hello mr dow
0: hello mr grayson and i'm assuming you feel about as shit as i do um
1: yes yes uh you know what
0: i would give to go back in time
1: and for you and i last time i felt this bad about a derby defeat to be in 12 pins as their fans made their way to Finsbury Park station and going, North London is us. North London is us. Fuck off, Joe Stratford. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel.
0: That's one of my favourite memories of being in 12 pins, uh, despite what a horrific day that was. Um, For anyone who doesn't remember that, that was when we were tuning up at home to Tottenham in 2011 and we lost 3-2 and it was a, a horrible, horrible day. Um, what I normally do at this stage is I normally, well, normally we do our commentary quiz, which again, we've put on hold and we've made a corporate decision as the <clears throat> boys in red and white not to bring it back until we win a league game again. <laughs> so <laughs> I love it. Ho- hopefully that will be next week. We'll be back after we beat Burnley, but I wouldn't bet on it at the moment. Nope. But what I normally do is I normally say, Andre, what did you think about the weekend? But I'm going to do it slightly differently today. Because I've got something I need to get off my chest about the, about the weekend. Because there were two specific things that made me really, really angry about the weekend. And the first one is that for the first time in my lifetime, I went into a North London derby not believing that we had any chance of getting a result. Mm-hmm. And before, I've always had at least a crumb of optimism that we could win. But on Sunday, this had completely disappeared in the lead up the kickoff. And in my head, I played out so many different scenarios. And in all of them, I couldn't even see Arsenal coming away with a point, let alone three. And my feeling at full time was not anger, which I normally feel when we lose to them. It was just a, a, a real sense of being fed up. And I found that really, really depressing that I didn't feel that, that anger and that, that utter disgust that we lost to that lot down the road. And it was just a, a real a real sense of meh. And I hated that. And the second thing that really frustrated me is that as a club at the moment, we supposedly have a master tactician as our manager. That's what he's sort of been revered as um, within world football over the last few months. Um, certainly since his time working under Pep Guardiola. Yet he fell into the most obvious trap set by the biggest prick in world football. And... I'm just going to talk about the game a little bit in this this sort of statement because the first goal, okay, is a ridiculous strike. And sometimes in football, you just have to hold your hands up and say, there's nothing you can do about that. This, for me, was not one of those occasions, regardless of how good the strike was, because we get caught on the counter-attack very early on, which would have been Tottenham's game plan. And it had been their game plan for the game against Man City. It was their game plan against Chelsea. And we got caught into that within the first 15 minutes of the game. And the first thing that strikes me is Rob Holding has to come out of the defence to engage with Son. And by not doing so, he has given him a completely free shot at goal. Admittedly, it's from a long way out and he's still an awful lot to do, but he's still giving him that opportunity. And whilst that's happening, I've got no idea what Bellerin's doing because he ends up falling over behind Rob Holding. <laughs> so those that, that, that individual section um, sort of got me really, really riled that Arteta was caught out that easily. And then if we move on to the second goal, um, I, I've got a little bit of sympathy for um, for Arteta with this one because obviously what happened with Thomas Partey was the reason why that this goal happened. But even so, even factoring into if Thomas Partey was fully fit and running around and um, not trying to come off the pitch... That still would have left us in a 3v3 situation just minutes before halftime, which I find uh, incredible in a game of that magnitude to be that naive and against a team like Tottenham who can counter, uh, counter-attack so well that we left ourselves in that situation. And the bit that I looked at earlier today is that when we lose the ball inside the Tottenham area, I think Bamian goes towards it and then Aurier po- um, manages to get his foot in and, and get the ball away we have four players that try and close Aurier down in a really, really lacklustre attempt that, that doesn't look like they've got any idea about how to do a collective press. And it's a really simple ball to Lo And then all of a sudden we're, we're 4v2 um, in defence. And then we look at the rest of the game and we just relentlessly banged our heads against a brick wall without creating really much note. And for a, a master tactician, as, as I touted at the beginning, um, it was a completely and utter shambles.
1: <laughs> well, well let, me, let me ask you this, because go. because last, uh, last pod we said, well, it's a great excuse to go five at the back. Okay? Yeah. And he's almost got a free pass to revert back to that. So why do you think he didn't? And I know you want to say, like, everyone would want to say, I just have no idea, but like, th- there must be a reason, mustn't there? Because I can't get my head around it either.
0: I think a big part of it... What well, I'd like to think a big part of it might have been the inclusion of, of Thomas Partey because I think when he signed, I think that that, that showed a real shift in, in sort of attitude of what Arteta wanted to do. And there might have been a bit of an overlap before that in terms of trying to tweak those tactics. But once we got a midfielder like Thomas Partey, it felt like there was a real opportunity to, to go to that four. And I think that's what he's still trying to persist with. Um, but... For a game of that magnitude, I I I'm, I'm with you entirely. I don't understand why you wouldn't revert back to what was working in big games, mm. um, and I think maybe the, the only thing kind of saving that is maybe he was using the Old Trafford game as a template, um, where obviously Thomas Partey was so effective in that. Um, but honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 at a loss for for words when it comes to Arsenal at the moment, and with the systems we're trying to play, I that that's where I'm really struggling. What, what, what do you think about that?
1: Firstly, I, I no, I don't understand it. I think your point around the <laughs> tactics at the start, did you see Jamie Carragher pull this apart?
0: I've not seen it. I've read a few quotes and I've seen I've seen a few little clips and things of him. Long, long story short,
1: what he says, which is what we all felt, and I defy anyone who watched that game, no matter who you support, they must have gone... What are they doing? Because honestly, the one thing I thought we wouldn't do is overcommit because just don't, just don't just take the nil-nil. You know, I think everyone, if we drew that nil-nil, I think everyone had gone, okay, you know, we can, oh, it's good that we can shut teams down. Or if he did bend that in from 30 yards, but he had two banks of four in front of him, whatever, you'd be like, well, what can you say? Cap, cap doffed, if you like. Yeah. But the fact that, We played into their hands. Not only was their tactic so obvious, but it's been obvious this season. I mean, if it was just Mourinho on his own, this was the point Carragher made, right? Is that if it was just Mourinho uh, and you'd only, you know, he hadn't done a sort of defensive um, counter-attacking play for years or whatever, it's still Mourinho. But all Spurs have done this season is play on the counter. And I, I... we played into their hands. I don't get it. It's it's, it's, it's literal insanity. And the one thing about Arteta that was different, and the reason I asked you that question is the one thing he did that was different is he gave us a plan. The players talked about it, didn't they? They said, you know, he gives us a plan and he says this is going to happen and, and it happens. You know, we don't always win, but whatever he says happens will happen. I mean, I could have told Mikel Arteta that we're going to get done on the counter. You need to be extremely close to Harry Kane, probably man mark him. And don't let Hector Bellerin overlap under any circumstances because their outball is to Son. The end. I just don't understand. It doesn't take much. Why wouldn't you try and button that up? Sure, if we're 1-0 down and you need to overcommit, that's fine. I also think the way the second goal came about, party or no party, Look at the players trying to get in the box. We spend we've spent the whole season waiting for players to get in the box and they choose the wrong moment. They manage to choose the wrong moment. And this is where Arteta gets a bit of a free pass because we got some bloody idiots. We've got some absolute <laughs> idiots in our football team who just make stupid decision after stupid decision. Um but the reason that I'm so worried, and I said to you after last week, I would sack him. I'm not calling for him to be sacked. I'm not vociferous or angry um, about it. But I just think if he's now not doing what made him different, um, he, Arteta isn't giving us what we want and desperately need as a club at this time. Because if we're not getting that stability in a game like this, where, let's face it, they've got top quality. They've got two... two good. They've got two top players who both scored and are both like they are on the form in the form of their life which is why i don't worry about them winning the league by the way because what i saw i thought oh my god they're gonna look amazing i'm really worried they don't look that good Kane and son look incredible but that can't go you can't do a season with them pulling you out of everything because they were never scoring if they had to break us down which is again part of the frustration but I just think with what Arteta came in and did so successfully, this is what I don't understand. We won a cup, we beat City, we beat Man U, we beat Chelsea, we beat Liverpool playing a certain way. Why, when we're now playing someone who is top of the league, aren't we doing it? I just do not understand it. That is so weird. Unless he felt he had to win this game to turn it round. But then it goes back to the point I was making last week, that that is just the wrong decision. And playing, you know, playing party almost comes into that. But that's a really bad, really, really just bang average decision. And that's my concern is that he went for the win when actually the draw was what, what, what we need. Playing for the draw, if you like. You, you know what I mean? Of course, play to win. And it's a derby and you should always win. But most derbies are draws anyway.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I completely wholeheartedly agree with everything you've just said. Uh, it's absolutely baffling that we're not doing what we were doing. Um, and what I... I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. and I don't know if... I, I think a big problem, I, I'm sort of... Re- fumbling with my words a little bit here because I'm not really sure what to say but (laughs) I think a big problem with Arteta is that obviously it's a very steep learning curve to go from a number two to go to the manager Mm -hmm. and obviously that his role I think Arsblog wrote about his role the the other day um, about it changing from coach to manager and is that now restricting what he can do as a coach which I'm I'm not necessarily sure um is an argument, but you you could argue either way with that. But I think he is learning on Arsenal's time, which is the problem. And that's what really concerns me, because this is a guy that could ultimately end up being a fantastic manager. But at the moment, he isn't there. He's making some really naive decisions and really, really sort of rookie mistakes. Um if we just touch on Thomas Partey, and I know we're going to talk about him in a bit more detail, but he gambled big time with Thomas Partey because he felt like he needed to win that game. And as you've said, a draw would have been a decent result for us, given the circumstances. And he's gambled on a player like Thomas Partey and said that he has to play to give us that opportunity to win that match. And obviously, it's backfired majorly because Party's pulled up, it's cost us the second goal who knows how long party's going to be out for with that injury now. So it's it's, it's a, that was a really naive decision that he probably didn't need to make. And retrospectively, he probably wouldn't make that decision again if he was put in the same situation. So that's probably what I would say is, is the biggest problem with Arsenal and Arteta at the moment. And it's that fact that he's learning on Arsenal's time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And... The issue there is we all have to be on board with that and you need to see things that make you think it's the right thing. And I think I remember in the summer, well, uh, I say the summer, the the break between seasons, uh, we felt that was the case. It's very quickly not the case. However, you know, I think we've got to give him this window. and, And the problem is, is can we back him? I mean, how many players can we shift? And then, do we need to wait till the summer till we have that sort of monumental shift? And then, is it too late? Um, and that is sort of the, the the crux of the matter, really, isn't it? And and whoever's making that decision, it's a it's a really tough decision to make, and one I I wouldn't like to make. But
0: it is such a a difficult situation because obviously, like you've just touched on, uh, the next two transfer windows are massive for the club, regardless of who's in charge. Um, because we keep doing these these short term deals or, or short short vision deals, I should say, that are really not paying off. We we just need to look at the, the William transfer and how how badly that's come out so far. Hmm. I'm sure we all, we're, obviously we're all hoping that that somehow turns around, but it's really not looking like it at the moment. And we need to somehow in January find someone who can come in and add some creativity to this team because at the moment we are so far away from being a team that can compete anywhere in the Premier League, let alone towards the upper upper levels like we seem to think we should be. Yeah. Um, and then next summer is the big one because obviously we've got so many players out of contract and then obviously the Ozil situation will finally be over and that's when we've got a bit more wiggle room when it comes to transfers and, and, and contracts. So it's. I'm still quite excited about the next two windows to see what we do because we know from the outside what potentially could happen with outgoings. Mm. So we can see where those gaps in our squad are going to be and we, every every man and their dog knows what the problems are with Arsenal and where we need to find those solutions. So it will be interesting. Um, what I did want to talk to you about, what are your thoughts... On the right side of our
1: Mm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) defence. I love that reaction. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah. I I, I could put it like this. On the left-hand side of our defence, we have two players that could play in a top four team. On the right-hand side of our defence, they could be in a team that goes down. Um, and I don't mean that in a horrible way, but that there's a chasm of quality that is so vast that it's 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 so alarming. And the problem I also have with it is that their replacements, if we take Maitland-Niles out of this conversation for a second, Cedric and David Louise comparably... Uh, is also so weak. Um, Mustafi, the same. I, 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 you're, the opposition tell you about all your chances. Uh, the opposition tell you, sorry, where your weaknesses are and all the chances come from that side. Time and time and time again. Um, it's so weak. Uh, I, I feel Rob Holding's a good lad. I, I really like Rob Holding. I like him as a, 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 an Arsenal man. I like him as a player, but he is just not. Because I, I tell you what it is. It actually opens up a wider debate for me, because I know how you feel about both these players. But the bigger debate is, you know, do we need players that take us where we need to go, right? And there's that. But there's also just sheer, like, we are a mid-table team now, and Rob Holding fits the bill perfectly. He does. Just, he does. He's a mid-table team center half he's he's good there's things that about him that are good but he's not he's not top tier and he's he's never going to be and Bellerin now I like Bellerin he again Arsenal man leader but he he is not good enough um and I think he's just getting exposed week after week and it's hard to watch
0: I think we need, particularly if we're looking at that right right back position, we need someone who is more athletic than, than Bellerin is showing. And mm. that's why I, I I really do think there's a case to be made to just give Maitland-Niles a run there. Because obviously before when he played there, there was those mistakes in there that, that kept happening under Unai Emery. But I think he's matured a lot as a footballer since that time. And I think he's... Earned another run was well, he certainly earned for me another run in the first team, let alone a run at right back. Um, so that's what I would be inclined to do. If I've got a better idea, setter. Tom.
1: I've got a better cool. idea. Just, just bear with me. Just bear with me. Bukayo Saka at right back.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> I need to. I need to address that because when. I, I thought if we were going to create anything on, on Sunday, it was going to be through Tierney or Saka down the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. And that looked like the only area that we were going to expose them from. Um, I agree. Having, having said that, obviously, we did create the Lacazette header and that near chance from the right-hand side. So it kind of goes against what I said. But it did feel like our primary threat was with Saka, particularly in the attacking third or Tierney arriving and, and delivering cross in. And then for Arteta to make that change <laughs> and put Saka to right-back, I, I, I don't know what was the thinking with that. Um, and even now, I can't, I can't figure out why he did that. Uh, maybe you can enlighten me.
1: <laughs> no, I can't really answer that, really. Um, I, I can't even understand it. I mean, did he want to try some in-swinging left-footed deliveries? Perhaps well,
0: that's the only argument you could really make. Um...
1: Had he not seen enough crosses go awry, he felt that he wanted some more crosses that were headed out by that slabby twat Eric Dyer. I mean, what? I it, it, it is inc- it's actually incompetence, really. Um, I mean, a lot was made of the crosses. I, I didn't feel like in the game. I don't know. I just felt like. <sighs> You may as well try that. <laughs> it did feel like that, didn't it? It was pathetic. Yeah, jump in again. The other,
0: the other thing that I noticed is that every time we put a cross in, whether we had two or three players in the box or whether it was just a Bamiyang, the lack of movement in the box was frightening. Mm. They were, The ball would come in and there was no hustling to try and get on the end of the ball. It was just, unless it's arriving on my head, like that perfect cross that Tierney put in for a Bamiyang, uh, it felt like a case of just, well... There's no point of even challenging for it, and I appreciate that in terms of the Tottenham defence and our attackers, they sort of were, were taller and more aggressive in their in their heading. But we just didn't look like we could be bothered to even challenge. And mm-hmm. I just the way we were playing, it just it, you're crying out for a player like Olivier Giroud in there who would battle for it because in that situation, you could understand why you'd be putting that many crosses into the box. And inevitably Giroud would get on the end of some of them. But with the players we've got, that system of trying to get the ball into the box with players who are not notorious for their heading ability. <laughs> I, I don't understand that as a tactic. I really, really don't.
1: No, no it's, it's illogical. And that's what I was saying. It's incompetent. And, you know, for us to be wanting Giroud back. Wow. That's all I can say. Yeah, wow.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I agree wow. with you, by the way. I, I I'm not saying that in terms of your your comment. <laughs> I'm saying I agree. What I'd actually give to have Giroud back. Wow. Yeah.
0: It's uh very very worrying. Um. Okay. I think we've obviously we've we've probably exhausted uh, talking about the systems and obviously talking about the 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 failings of Sunday. Let's touch on Thomas Party and the decision to rush him back. Uh, What were your thoughts before the game, Andre?
1: Well, this is the problem. And this is why I'm not in in a paid position as a manager. I was thrilled he was back. And I genuinely thought he was the only way we had a chance of winning the game. Um, But it reeks of desperation. And hindsight's a wonderful thing. But there must have been a really huge risk playing him. There must have been. Because, well, clearly he got injured. And now, uh, you know, if you look at the next few games. The busiest period of the year, which is crazy to say, considering how much football it feels like there's been to not have our best player is such bad mismanagement. And again, you know, did he just think this game meant everything? Because it might do to fans, but it certainly shouldn't do to managers who are taking a club on a certain trajectory. You know, if we won the Derby for the next five years after this because we were building something and we took it on the chin, no one would care. No one would go, oh, remember when we lost. You know, it's just one of those things. We'd have probably lost 2-0 whether he did or didn't play. And it's so naive. I just can't believe it. And I'm so angry he played and is now injured. And I think it's so short-sighted. It's, so, it's such a short, short-termism. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. What did what did you think? I mean, if you you know. But having said that, I know I text you saying, "Oh, thank goodness, party starting."
0: Yeah, um, I I I felt quite similar to you in, in in initially thinking, "Oh, it's so good to have him back in the starting lineup." But there was a there was a part of me that was very nervous and apprehensive about him being back um, because obviously we knew that it was a muscular injury which which kept him out, and the fact that he seemingly only had a couple of training sessions before the North London derby um it seems mad that you could not be training that regularly but still playing a game of that magnitude of that intensity um I thought actually just on a positive note about Thomas Partey, I thought our best moment was that driving run that he made through the midfield yeah. and you could see similarities to Patrick Vieira in that in that movement and I, I at that point I was like oh this is that's why you want him in your team. And that's what's sort of given me a little bit of hope and optimism going towards the future. Because if we've got a player like that who you can get fit and, and keep him fit, then we've got a much better midfield. But going back to what you said about the the desperation of, playing that, of, of putting him in there, I think we're again going back to that naivety of a young coach. And maybe he's a bit too in tune with um, how players feel about mm. um, derby games, as opposed to taking that step back and, and really assessing the situation as a, as a manager. So, I mean, I, and also the sheer fact that that my, my dad, obviously avid listener, so hello, Mick Dow. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad said to my mum w- before the game even started uh, I bet Party gets injured and Xhaka gets a yellow card. And he called both of those situations perfectly. And a lot of Arsenal fans could have done that. So that just goes to show you how how desperate a situation we are in if, if that was a decision that Arteta sort of ended up at.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you need to protect your £50 million asset, not do what we've done. And, and you know, he could miss... Let's this he misses six weeks. We are now talking... Half a season. And it goes back to actually if we thought we were gonna pay the fifty million buyout clause, why we did it on the last day. Um yeah. which also comes into it because, you know, as we know this season, as much as I don't like it, the transfer window is open at the start of it. So why why have we thrown games away? I mean, admittedly, we looked better before he was at our club.
0: Um, <laughs> 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 um, blame it on Thomas Party, it's all his fault.
1: Yeah. Uh There's a song in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It reminds me of the Ibué song. (laughs) Know that song? Got out. Not off the top of my head. I'm sure as soon as you say anything, I'm going to. You
1: know, uh, blame it on the boogie.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, blame blame it on Ibué. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, (laughs) I remember now. (laughs) Blame it on Ibué. Blame it on the party. um <laughs> yeah it works um god yeah okay well we're, we're looking into that a bit further obviously we're, we're expecting him to miss a period of time and as you say muscular injuries so often it ends up being about six weeks um our next five games are Burnley at home Southampton at home Everton away Chelsea home Brighton away Mm-hmm. So what we'll do now is we'll have a look at those fixtures and I'm going to ask you, Andre, what do you think we'll take from those five games? Mm-hmm. So do, how would you want to do it? Do you want to do it game by game or do you want to do it as a collective?
1: Game by game. Game by game. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. OK, okay. so
0: starting this this Sunday, which obviously we've got our favourite kickoff time on Sunday of <laughs> uh, quarter past seven. So that should ruin both the weekend and next week. Uh, Burnley at home. What do you think? How do you think we we'll get on? Burnley, Burnley at home.
1: I, I think I've said. I think this will break a record for the fewest number of shots. But I think we're going to get a penalty Ooh. and score it, and that will be the only shot of the game on target.
0: <laughs> that, that, that's a really, really
1: specific prediction. <laughs>
0: um,
1: I think we'll beat Burnley. I honestly think we'll beat Burnley. And and I actually think, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, my big positive from Sunday was I did actually like how we attacked. And I don't know whether this was because they conceded everything, but I just think with Lacazette and Aubameyang on the pitch in a much more sensible shape, I, I've got a feeling we could score a goal.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think I said uh, last week that I thought we would beat Burnley. So we're in agreement on that. So let's say three points potentially from the Burnley game. Yeah. That's exciting. I think that could be my only win. (laughs) (laughs) Then on the Wednesday, we play Southampton at home, the away day specialist.
1: I think we'll lose. However, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a 95th minute equaliser that we don't deserve, that no one celebrates in the ground.
0: Okay, so I, are you going with uh, one i would, or zero I'm gonna, points? I'm
1: i I'm gonna say I was, I was referring, of course, to that, that famous uh, game where no one celebrated a 90th minute equaliser yeah. to save Emery for another week. Uh, and I think yeah. we're going to draw two all again.
0: I, I'm in agreement. I think we'll draw one all, but I do think we'll draw that game. Then on the Saturday we've got a a nice five thirty kickoff uh, away at Goodison Park against Everton. Uh, What do you? Yeah, we will we will lose that game. I'm completely in agreement on that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and uh, whenever I think of Everton, I always think of that game where I think was it Phil Jagielka scored. We went to together where we absolutely had to win to save our season, and we. it gave Not. one of our classic <laughs> pitiful away performances. Um, was that the one where we went out in Liverpool the night before?
0: Uh, yeah, and we, that every time we came on, we turned into an Arsenal chant.
1: Yeah, my favourite was, and you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do this now, was the Lacazette Aubameyang handshake with random scousers.
0: Yeah, so, some took it really well and some really, 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 really did. didn't.
1: But can you imagine, we probably started spreading COVID at that point.
0: <laughs> it's all our
1: fault especially in Liverpool
0: <laughs> yeah but oh that was that was a hilarious night that was really 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 fun oh, I, I, I miss away days so much yeah I, I, miss, I do I really do I, I, we need another uh, we need away day as soon as possible with a stupid night out as well because that, <laughs> that was stupid that really was, that really was. Um, didn't you also get, when we went to a cafe the next day, didn't you get some really weird breakfast?
1: Yeah, I, I, well, I thought it was a breakfast bap, but what I actually got was a full English in a sandwich. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it wasn't nice. It was very dry. I, I think without beans as well. It was it was very unpleasant. It was, uh, won't, won't be going back there. <laughs>
0: Not that we'll remember which place we went to, but next time we're in Everton, we're not going back to that cafe. I
1: have to say, have to say, I got a cracking parking spot that day. And we <laughs> were out of there and on the motorway in record time, which is always what you look for.
0: We pretty much ran out the ground as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, but but excellent. yes, uh, just to confirm, we'll lose. Okay, so we've got three points against Burnley, one against Southampton, zero against Everton. Then we've got another home game on Boxing Day uh, against Chelsea. Mm. So I'm lo- I'm looking forward to that one. What are you saying there?
1: Um, well, we've got City, of course, midweek as well. Which uh, of course, which we will probably win um, because the last <laughs> because we're going to win the Carabao Cup because it's that kind of year. Anyway, um, but Chelsea
0: at home for at home we will lose that game. <laughs> <laughs> I I like I like that you emphasise at home. We'll lose. <laughs> we will lose. Uh, and
1: I think we'll lose that one. I worry about that one for a proper hammering more than any other because if we don't set up... Right, we You know, Wolves, I actually think Wolves, um, the Villa game, uh, Spurs game, I actually think all three of those teams could have absolutely taken us to the cleaners in the second half. And it, if it, my biggest fear is if a team chooses to not relent we could get it could be so ugly yeah i, I genuinely like i can't believe that the games that we've finished and i've gone oh at least it was only two <laughs>
0: like that's where we're at at the minute that's how I, bad I, it is i left the villa game thinking uh, thank thank thankfully it was only three because ah, they could have yeah. they could have had six they they absolutely ripped us to shreds
1: yeah yeah, and I, I worry there's there's a game coming if it doesn't get sorted soon that that's going to happen. Yeah. I worry it's this one.
0: And then following Chelsea, we have Brighton away. Do, do you
1: think we'll lose to Chelsea? Sorry. Oh, sorry.
0: Yes, yes, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> Brighton
1: away. Well, if we get a penalty that's quite a way outside the box, but is given in the box, like Southampton yeah. did yesterday, then we've got a <laughs> chance of losing that 2-1. Let's just
0: um, uh, let's just remind everyone that the last time Brighton won a home game was against us.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, but of course. So I can only see us drawing that fixture.
0: I'm in agreement. I think we'll draw as well. So we reckon, <laughs> out of a possible fifteen points, we're going to get five. Yeah. And what I don't
1: think- want to do yet is look at what the teams below us have. And what we'd predict for them. <laughs> oh, sorry, a sorry. I made a, a season, huge mistake there. I said five teams behind us. I did, of course, mean four.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, couldn't, people, we because... couldn't, could we? But no. I would
1: actually like a season in the championship. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I would love one.
0: I, I, what, it, what it would do is uh, for a season, it would make getting away tickets a lot easier.
1: A hundred percent. I'd love it. I'd love it. We'd win most games. That'd be nice. Uh, I'm up for the playoffs.
0: <laughs> Forget going off automatically. We want the playoffs. We want the
1: playoffs. I'll take shading sixth. Absolutely. A lot of ropey northern away games in there. We're not. We're not. We're not winning the league. God no. Um, no. I, I mean. If we do genuinely get less than five points, um, I, I will actually start to be worried. Yeah. And I, I think we've been quite reasonable in, in saying that. I, I don't, I, now I'm thinking about it, I, I don't think we'll beat Burnley. But I've got to leave a <laughs> win somewhere. I just, I think we're going to really struggle to break them down. If they, honestly, if they sit in two banks of four, we're not breaking them down. No. But looking at
0: looking at those five games, like obviously we said, a win against Burnley, it wouldn't shock anyone if we drew that game. Southampton at home, we've both said we think we'll uh, we'll maybe get a point. Again, wouldn't be a shock if we lost that. Everton, Chelsea, obviously we expect to lose, and Brighton.
1: Well, we, they, keep at Brighton. Their, yeah, we keep losing Brighton. Yeah, they'll
0: fancy their chances, and we like you say, we keep losing there. So it's it's very very worrying. The, this festive period could be not very jolly. <laughs>
1: No, but but the the only the only caveat to all of this is that if we win three of those five, we're in a European mix. Yeah, and that's the hard thing. But um, they're, they're, we are starting already to run out of time. Where a run of three wins will do that. We we are falling that far behind. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, I mean, the thing is, I don't think I've ever looked at the league and gone, there are just no easy fixtures for us. I, honestly, I'm looking at that West Brom on the second and I'm, I'm just thinking that might be our next win. And we've got so many games in December and that might be our next win. Because you even look at, you know, going a bit further uh, after that, we Palace at home and you just worry. Honestly, every game, every game, you're like, I can see how we'll lose that.
0: Yeah, the one game I, I, I Newcastle at I, I home, maybe think, I feel confident. Yeah, I don't think I've, like you, you just said, I don't think I've ever felt like that about Arsenal, where you don't, you look at every game, you think that's going to be a challenge, that's going to be difficult. Like, there's so many games in the past that you've looked at and you thought, oh, we might huff and puff a little bit, but we'll, we'll definitely win that game. And mm. most of the time, you do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, 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 yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. and I think that kind of leads us on to um, the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is, I think you brought it up yesterday when we were talking about the itinerary for this, and it's what would it take to feel good again about Arsenal Football Club?
1: Yeah. I mean, genuinely, if we could try and compartmentalise this and say, look, winning games would make us feel better... But I suppose what do I? What I was wondering about this, and I was like, if we beat Burnley, I'm hardly going to go and get on the lash <laughs> that night. And even if we beat Southampton, I don't think I'll go. Oh, I'll just go. Oh, thank goodness, what a relief! We've actually won a couple of games. Okay, we're moving away from the drop zone. Win at Everton and beat City, right? But now we're now we're just getting stupid. We're not going to win four games in a row. It's just not going to happen. I think, and I think mid-table clubs must have felt like this for a while. You know what? We, for me, I think the only thing that will make me feel good again is genuinely is turning to youngsters and watching them because I could deal with some of the absolute stupidity on display if in centre midfield you had Joe Willock and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I, I genuinely could, If Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Joe Willock had run beyond the ball together at the same time to try and get us back into the game uh, at, at the weekend, I'd have been like, well fair enough, but they'll never make that mistake again. Well, if they play for Arsenal, they'll make that mistake most weeks, but, um, they, you know, they'll never make that mistake again. And I always felt that when we went to Project Youth, you saw things, and you went, top teams don't do that, but they'll learn. And they did learn. And we had top players. And I want to see, I want to see Smithrow, Nelson, Willock, Maitland-Niles, and I want to see us, if we get a run of wins or string together good results, you know, like, yeah, if we lose to Chelsea, fine. But if we're really competitive and lose like we did last season, you know, on the counter and don't get embarrassed and, you know, should have won. Or if we go a bit further and we can put a run of games together, maybe beat Man U in the new year. You know, and if these youngsters start to come through, that would excite me the and make me feel good again. And, and probably Pepe running into Europa, bringing Europa form into the league because he is exciting and we need that excitement. But I think that is the only thing that will make me feel as engaged as I should.
0: Yeah, um, I think for me, the only thing that's really going to gonna help at the moment, because we know that we're going to be stuck with quite a lot of these players, for certainly till the summer and uh, maybe beyond that. And I think going with a youthful approach would make me feel... Like there's something to look forward to and something to get excited about. So players like Reese Nelson, Emil Smith Rowe, like you, you've said, the Joe Willock, I'd I'd like to see them get more of an opportunity because then I, I think I'd feel a lot happier and a lot more forgiving about this, the the current circumstance. Um, and I I don't think until we sign someone who can address that creativity issue that I'm really gonna gonna feel that. That enamored and that that excited about where where this football club could go because that is the gaping hole and until that is addressed nothing is going to nothing's going to change we we might have periods where we go up a little bit but we're going to keep dropping off and not and we're going to keep struggling to score goals until we address that problem.
1: Hmm. If I offered you <laughs>
0: I love your questions.
1: <laughs> winning the Carabao cup Spurs win nothing and we finish 15th. Would you take that?
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I would because I'd like... Do you think you'd feel good though? Like, honestly, coming 15th no, means we no, win about feel...
1: five more games this season. Apart it, it from It would feel, it would three feel more awful. In the Carabao,
0: <laughs> And the whole season would be miserable. Um, but I think it'd be worth it just to have that one day where you lift, you lift silverware. And mm. obviously, then that's another thing you could say. Like we had the worst season we've had in God knows how long, and Tottenham had one of their best seasons, and yet we still won a trophy, and you haven't. that would be, that would be satisfying? And I think it'd be satisfying retrospectively to be able to say to them that that statement.
1: What if I gave you no guarantees on Tottenham?
0: I've got a horrible feeling that they're going to win something this year, uh, be it the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup. Um, I could really live
1: with them winning the Carabao Cup.
0: Yeah, I could live with that. I could live with that. But uh, anything beyond that is where it gets a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't think I'd like to take the chance. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Honestly, honestly, I I would. I I can't believe this because I, I just don't want them to win the league. Yeah, I genuinely think at this point I, I take I don't care, I don't care.
0: Well, our season is anyway, so it doesn't matter. Wait, but, but this is,
1: but this is, I suppose what I'm saying is that you know when you think about this season, it, it, it's it's there's there's five months of it to go, and that you know I don't even think the fact that neither has said well if fans were back in that'd make us feel good. I I I don't think it would. I think it would for a little bit, but I think ultimately yeah. the results would end up. If the results were where they were, I actually think going would be, would, would be great to go and see everyone. And the, the benefit of going wouldn't be watching the football and being with the team, no. would it? It would be the social aspect, which whilst is a huge part, and you know, I miss that terribly, it's not the be-all and end-all. The be-all and end-all is going and watching your team win over the weekend and, and feeling so immersed in what's going on. I mean, we're just so far away from, you know, you and I would think this. And I know you're aligned with my way of thinking. And I struggle to think of people who aren't like this. But when Wenger says, you know, football is art and we what you want at the weekend is to give people something they enjoy and are mesmerized by. And they're so excited to go and watch their team at the weekend. And even if it doesn't go well and they don't win all the time, you're just so excited. It, it breaks the monotony monotony of life. At yeah. the minute, I'm grateful for the days we're not playing in the Premier League. I, I'm Honestly, Europa League, all in. Love it. Love a Thursday night. It used to be my work. Honestly, I used to hate Europa League. I hated the group stage. Can you imagine That's if you're really... know the group stage? It's the best thing we've ever had. I love the Europa League group stage. I'm going to miss it terribly next year. Um but I honestly don't know at this point what makes you go, I can't, God, I cannot wait for the weekend. I cannot wait for that game at the weekend. I can't wait to watch us.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a really, really sad feeling. And it's, it's it's heartbreaking. I think we touched on that last week and we said it's heartbreaking. Um, and it, it really, really is. And you just feel like there's so much that needs to change in order for that feeling to sort of go away and be replaced by something more positive. Um, So, it's just, uh, there's always that little bit of hope. That's what football's all about. There's always that little bit of hope that your team can turn a corner. And that kind of goes against what I said at the start about not having any hope going to the North London derby. But looking at the fixtures that are coming up, most of those, although you don't expect us to win many of them, there is that hope that you might win them. And I think that's what you sort of need to cling on to it as as football supporters. And I guess this is what what supporting a mid-table club has been for so many, that it is about having that hope and that optimism that things are going to change. And maybe that's an attitude that we need to embrace because at the moment, this is where we're at and it's not going to change that much for a while now because of the squad of players we've got. So maybe it is a case of just getting used to that fact and and dampening our expectations a little bit more than we already have.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, as well, I think, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think you're right. I just, I just hope I feel, I, f- I hope I feel better about it all soon. Um, because, we I, will, I think, you know, I, we I will. We, I, I just think, uh, sorry, the point I was just trying to make um, and was collecting my thoughts on was we should be a super club yeah and the reason i think it's so hard for us is cuz we've we've not gone in reverse we've done we've like entered another vortex at light speed going back in time to like the 70s where we were useless yeah. 60s and 70s where we were just a bang average football team we've gone so far into the future and like i said last week i think we've made so many wrong mistakes and i think that's what's so hard is we have completely gone so far backwards that you now look at, I was looking at the top six today. The top six is um, Man U, Man City, Spurs, Chelsea, uh, Liverpool and Leicester. And like, they're the top six clubs now. We aren't in it. We aren't the big six anymore. We're not even in the big seven. Genuinely, uh, this season, we will, I was actually going to ask you this. Where do you think we're going to finish this season? Well,
0: if things carry on, I think I think we're struggling to finish top half at the minute. Um, yeah, I
1: think we're going to finish 12th. Yeah. Right? I think, and I think that'll be, we'll be happy with it by the end. That's genuinely how I feel. And I don't know what will happen. If we get knocked out of the Cups, Europa League, God knows. I mean, either this or we become the luckiest club in the world. And I'll tell you the hope that's killing me. Is if we do start sorting it out, I do think we could win the Europa League. <laughs> I do. I got a feeling we're gonna end up in the Champions League with a squad that literally cannot do it, get stuck back in the Europa League, but somehow make our way through, bundle through. I just got a feeling. I got a feeling for it. But it's been that bad.
0: That, that summarizes it though, I think, really nicely, because that is the hope of a football fan. That yeah. is the optimism of a football fan that it doesn't matter how bad things things get. You always think there is some way out, some sort of solution, and I think that's a really lovely point to, to sort of end the podcast on because first, it's optimistic, which most of this podcast has been <laughs> fairly pessimistic. Um, but it also just demonstrates that lovely point that that is what football's about. It doesn't matter that we can't control what's going on at our football club. We still have our moods completely dictated by the results and by the outcomes. But we all have that inner belief that our football club is the best in the world and they will somehow come out on top in the end. So I think that's mm. a really, really sort of lovely note to sort of end the podcast on. Um, thank you for your time as always, Andre. It's been uh, a pleasure and cathartic as always.
1: Certainly has. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And thank you to everyone who's listened or subscribed to our podcast If you'd like to see what we're up to on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram um, by searching for the Boys in Red and White podcast. And we also have a website, which is www.theboysinredandwhite.com, which I did actually update over the weekend. So I have been active, and I will try and be a bit more active in the future as well. So if you'd like to read that, that would be really, really appreciated. Thank you for all your time as always, and we'll be back with another podcast next week.